Dear Lord, in this class today, please unveil for us the mystery of your parables and your kingdom. Give us ears to hear them and unveil your gracious word to us. Amen. Um, But I'm glad nobody's on the first row because um, we've been to several events with our youngest, with our um, eight-month-old recently wearing suits, and uh, I've got slobber all over my (laughs) my suit. I haven't been to the dry cleaner yet, but so Beth and Mari are right here, so that's... (laughs) <laughs> That's okay, but um, today we're going to talk about, um, like I said, the parable of the wheat and the tares, and we're going to cover some things, and we're going to talk a little bit about gardening, and we're going to talk a little bit, bit about Greek, and those, those are two things that I know absolutely nothing about, so y'all, y'all are in for a real treat. Um, no, but the, I'll just go ahead and read the parable, and then we'll get into it, but it the, the parable comes in, the, in Matthew 13. It only appears in Matthew. Um, and it's right after the parable of the sower. So it's kind of like the second parable in Matthew. Um, but Matthew 13, 24 through 30. And there's a handout, if you don't have it, that just basically has Matthew 13 typed out in inverse order. But he put another parable before them saying... The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Um, And I've got a... Let's see, it might take a second, but... There's some wheat and tares, or at least that's what the, the, the caption said. But it, it, um, I think just from looking at that, you can see it's, it, it will be difficult to tell what's, in the, what's the wheat and what's the weeds. Um, but the, the period of, of, of Jesus' ministry at this point in time in Matthew, so he's already been through the Sermon on the Mount. He's, he's been teaching for quite a while. Um, before he starts teaching in parables, he's um, he, he's said that he's the he's claimed to be the Messiah. He's done miracles to demonstrate that he's the Messiah. Um, he's selected his disciples who are following him, um, and still, with, despite his message, despite the miracles that he performs, as, as you know, a lot of people weren't recognizing that he was the Messiah. Um, they had completely different expectations for what the Messiah was going to be from the Old Testament. And they were eagerly anticipating the day that the Messiah would come and bring the kingdom of God, but they couldn't recognize that it was there um, because of their prior expectations, which was that when when the Messiah came and the kingdom arrived, that he would vanquish their foes and he would establish the kingdom of heaven on earth. Um, and vanquish evil, and it would be the people of God um, <coughs> living there then. Um, so as people didn't recognize 
his ministry, didn't recognize what he was saying, he began speaking in parables. And we talked throughout the summer about the purpose of parables and um, the nature of them. And in Matthew 13, um, he, he tries to explain the kingdom. Well, how is the kingdom different than what you're expecting? And I, I, I've explained these things to you, but now I'm going to give you analogies. I'm going to show comparisons to try to help you explain them. Um, and that's a <clears throat> I mean, that's a good rhetorical technique. When, when you're trying to explain something, you, you give an example. And a lot, I mean, a lot of times that can help people better understand it. And this is something that they, like, it, it goes against their prior expectations. It's not something that they have the power to, under, to, to understand at the time. Um, and it's not, it doesn't work either <laughs> to, make a long, to, make the, uh, to get to the end of the story. Um, and, and like I said, it's the second parable. The, the first one at the beginning of uh, Matthew 13 is the parable of the sower, um, where um, the um, where a sower went out to sow, sowed seed. It fell among different types of ground. It sowed seed throughout all different types of ground, and um, he described the type of um, he, what happened when the result was on the different types of ground that the seed fell. Um, and the seed was the kingdom. The seed was Jesus. And the, it, he was the seed that was sown. Um, and God was the one who was sowing. Um, after saying the parable, the disciples come up and say, why do you speak to them in parables? Because if you're reading kind of chronologically, then this would be the first one. Um, and it, it occurs in Mark 4 and also Luke 9, I believe. So in, in each, in each gospel, it's, it's not at the beginning of his ministry. He doesn't just start out in parables. Um, and he quotes Isaiah. He says, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart. In turn, I would heal them. Um, and then he says, blessed are your eyes, because you've understood. But as we'll see in a second, that's not quite <laughs> exactly accurate, because the disciples haven't understood either. Um, but he, he then he goes through the parable of the sower and explains to them... Um, in an allegorical fashion, well, who is the sower and who is the seed and what types of ground are each that it lands on. And I'm not going to talk about the sower today, and I, and I don't want to get into that, but I just wanted to let, lay that groundwork as far as his explaining to the disciples the parable of the sower. Um, so then is, it begins with the parable of the wheat and the tares, or it's, it's also known as the parable of the weeds or the parable of the wheat and the weeds. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. So it kind of connects back to the parable of the sower. Um, and he, he's clearly describing what the kingdom is like. Um, it, it's an analogy. If you, it, It's not... Um, in, in Robert Capon's book, which we've referred to um, throughout these classes this summer, which is a very, just very profound um, analysis of the parables in ways that you wouldn't think before, and it's, it's a very good read, he, 
it was actually three books, the parables of the kingdom, the parables of grace, and the parables of judgment. And the parables of Matthew 13 are the parables of the kingdom, um, when he is showing analogies to how what the kingdom of, of God, which is now on earth with Jesus, is like in comparison to the kingdom of this world, which is very different. Um, and they are using their world, their their minds that are in sync with the kingdom of this world, and the cause and reflect effect relationships to try to understand the kingdom of God, um, which things don't work that way. Um, but the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man um, who sowed good seed in his field. And while his men were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. Now, the weeds that he sowed, um, in Kapan's book, he says the Greek is zizanion. So that's where tares come from. And, I, and tares are a special type of weed that looks exactly like wheat. Um, it's, I think, called darnel as well. So when it's, when it's planted, when it starts to grow, there's no, you can't tell the difference between the weed and the, and the weed. Um, and their roots become intertwined with, with the wheat, and, um, and so they're kind of together in the field. Um, I read something that said that tares or some versions of the weeds degenerated from the wheat. So at one point, the, the tare seeds, I mean, the, the tares might have been wheat, but then they became weeds. And, and so he sows seed. It's, well, it says the enemy came and sowed weeds. It doesn't say sowed seed because um, the enemy, the devil, can't create. Um, he's sowing wheat, weeds among the wheat that's already been created by the grace of God. Um, and so initially, no one knows, I mean, uh, the sower knows, but the, his helpers has, don't know the difference. Um, because the, as, as the plants are coming up, it looks like the, you can't tell that it's um, tares, it looks like wheat. Um, but once they kind of grow to fruit, once the grain comes out, then you can tell, well, we've got a tear and we've got wheat because the tear doesn't have this, the, the grain of the wheat that, that you use to make bread and, and other things. Um, so at, at that point in time, the servants come to the master and say, did you not serve so good seed in your field? How does it have weeds? Um, and that might sound, um, I, I read something that on Roman law, under Roman law, it was against the law for an, en- for an enemy, for, for anyone to go and sow bad seed in someone's field. Um, so this is actually something that might happen. I guess if you've got a competitor, if you've got someone you dislike and they have a field and you put weeds in the field, well, that's, if you sow, then it's going to hurt their crop. Um, and it's going to, um, it, it will at least choke the wheat, and it will make it more difficult for the wheat to grow, um, and if not take over the field eventually. Because I don't do much gardening, <laughs> but from what I understand, if you have weeds in in the um, in your garden or in the field, well, they inhibit the growth of the good plants, and then when the season is over, the weeds. Can, can expand and, and grow even further. So um, by not addressing the, the weeds 
initially, then they're going to expand throughout the field with the, with the weeds that the um, enemy has sown. Um, it, in the parable of the kingdom, like with the parable of the sower, the field is the entire world. Um, there's no place in the world that the kingdom is not present. Um, it's in present at all times, in all people, in all places, and, and it has been since the inception of the world. Um, and all good and evil both live in the kingdom and, and are there, and the, the, the seed has been sown throughout the world. And I, I know that um, <clears throat> I, I'm not an expert on the kingdom. I know there there's some here who are, and, and they can expound on that in a minute if they would like. <laughs> um, but um, so it, it, the field covers everything, um, and the good seed has been intertangled with the wheat. Now, another thing about um, the kingdom is it's hidden. So once the seed is sown, it's no longer a seed. Um, and you can't tell, there's no way to tell what the, which is a good seed or the bad. And so it's, it starts growing into a plant and you know, it, it transforms. The, the, Kapan talks about the, the Greek for the word seed is not just the seed, but it's kind of the progeny of the seed, which you can look at as it's the plant that grows or, or in the context of the parable you can look at as like this, the I think the, the same word for the sons of Abraham, the, the seed of Abraham. Um, it's not just that seed; it's what grows from it. Um, but it's a mystery. It's not something that's easily. It's revealed in the, the kingdom of this world. Um, it's hidden, and it's it's if we use the the cause and effect thought, the the natural thought in this world, then it's hard to be revealed. And, and through speaking in parables, it's Jesus' way of trying to open up that hiddenness. Um, and if someone is, if, if they have the ears to hear, and, and we talked about this in, in the last class I did, a bit with the, um, the laborers in the vineyard. Um, when the, the, the you're, you're given, you don't come, you can't just with your own volition, come up with the ears to he to hear the parables. But you know, when you've been in a place where y you're needy and you you realize, you know, I can't do this, and you have nowhere. I mean, I mean it, we all. I mean, that happens to all of us. And at that point, that's when God can act. And when there's um, kind of nothing on the table, when um, <clears throat> it's, it's kind of a bare ground, and, and, and that's where the seed can grow. Um, that's kind of a, a, a tangent, but that's that that's when the mystery can be revealed. Um, now, the what is the response? And, and Capon talks about us. I mean, he talks about the catholicity of the kingdom, meaning that it's everywhere. And it's there at all times. It's it's mysterious. It's it's hidden. Um, it's actual. It's actually present in the world. Um, if you notice the the sower when he sows the field, um, he's not worried that the weeds are going to stomp out the good seed um, just from it's actually growing. Um, so you often hear, well, in these present times, we'll or I mean, or 
because no one focuses on the gospel or you know Christianity seems to there's a less percentage of people who are following Christianity well is it gonna I mean a hundred years from now are people still gonna practice it and that's not something the sower is concerned about um, it's actually the kingdom is actually in the world and it's gonna continue in the world and it's nothing that the enemy by spreading weeds can stamp out and it's always been, even before Jesus, the, the kingdom was present in the world, as John 1 sets forth. Um, but the response to the kingdom is, even from the helpers, well, we need to, it's hostility. Um, you, we need to stomp this out. Um, we, we need to get the weeds out. Um, and so the, the field can grow, so the wheat can grow to its fruition. Um, and at any, Gil talked about this very well a couple weeks ago, um, but when we, kind of there's direct, and this is I think where the, the parable goes, where, where you have um, <clears throat> indirect versus direct power, indirect versus direct action. When there's direct action, when you're acting on your own, um, that's not a place that 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 the seed can grow um and so the the response if you reject the growth of the kingdom and want to take control of the situation um and which is the natural thing to do i mean if you have weeds in your garden well you do something about it it's not wrong it's it's the right idea i mean if you have a problem if there's a crisis come up well the the, the right thing is how do we deal with this crisis? What do we need to do? That's what everyone thinks. Um, and that's not what Jesus does or what the sower does here. And that's not what he's saying. Um, and his response is completely different. It's passive. It, it's non-acting. Let them grow. Um, and in fact, the enemy, by sowing the weeds, he, did, he knew the weeds I mean, the, the, the enemy knew enough to know that the weeds weren't going to stomp out the wheat. <clears throat> and so, but he thought that by sowing weeds, then the helpers are going to think we need to get rid of the weeds, and that's going to cause the wheat to, by trying to get rid of the weeds, as the sower says, um, then do you want us to get it, to go and gather them? But he says, no, less than gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. So it's not the, um, the weeds themselves that destroy the wheat. It's the good action of the helpers who are, have the best intentions, who want the sower's wheat to grow, um, who've thought about the situation and say, if we want to have a good wheat product, we need to get rid of these weeds. If we don't, you know, they're not going to grow as well. Um, we're going to next harvest we're, we're going to be filled with weeds and, and there's nothing we can we'll be, it'll be even a worse situation that's the natural response um, but that's not how Jesus responds and if you think I mean thinking about direct use of power and how God reacts to evil how we react to evil um, <clears throat> <clears throat> the evil 
the, the evil kind of takes care of itself. Now, Jesus, um, he could have, through direct action, brought all of his disciples to conquer, I mean, conquer Rome and, um, and been carried away on a chariot. But that's not how we are in the world, and that's not how the kingdom is. Um, that's not the type of Messiah we need. I mean, if we had to have a Messiah who's um, to, to try to re, um, interact with a Messiah who's perfect, who's superhuman, who, um, which Jesus is, of course, but we, we would have to try to live up to what he's done um, and to follow the law. And it, it, it's much... We didn't, the, the um, disciples didn't know this, the people of the time didn't know this, but what they were really looking for was the Messiah like Jesus, who's going to die on the cross for them. Um, because if you have a superhuman Messiah, then to live up to him, you've got to follow the law and be superhuman. Um, but what the, the parable talks about is what's the result of control, but I think both in the, in, in the church and in our lives. Um, and when you can't tell the difference between the wheat and the tares, um, when you, if we try to control the situation, I mean, just first speaking as a church, if <clears throat> we've got evil, uh, throughout much of history, the church's response is, we need to convert people, we need to do crusades, we need to spread the word. If there's evil, we need to get rid of it. Um, and what Jesus is saying here, well, what's the result of that? You know, does that spread the kingdom? Um, does that cause more good seed to be grown to, to um, its end? And he's saying, um, less than gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Um, because it's not just the weeds that you lose. You lose the wheat that are intertwined with the um, with the with the weeds because um, Michael uh, it, I think a few weeks ago showed Jeffrey Dahmer which is it's a very extreme example of, it was a video after he'd been convicted when he was in jail with his dad kind of with the prodigal son and, and forgiveness and someone about the most vile person you can think of the most evil person and he was talking about how it sounded like the treatment of his father had helped him to come to Christ and how he was now a Christian. Um, and so that's, some, it, that's an interesting path for the wheat to go. And it went about as evil as it was, but at the end, it turned up, I mean, if, if, and we can't say, I mean, again, you can't tell, we can't tell the wheats from the weed, wheat from the weeds. We can't judge. But if, in fact, that grain blossomed at the very end, if it had been stomped out earlier, it couldn't have blossomed. Um, Martin Luther, in preaching on this parable, I'll just read a section from what he taught. This is his sermon on the, the wheat and the tares. From this observe what raging and furious people we have been these many years, and that we desired to force others to believe. The Turks with the sword, heretics with fire, the Jews with death, and thus outroot the tares by our own power, as if we were the ones who could reign over hearts and spirits and make them pious and right, which God's word alone must do. But by murder we separate the people from the word so that it cannot possibly work upon them. We bring thus, with one stroke, a do double murder upon ourselves, 
as far as it lies in our power, namely, in that we murdered the body for time and the soul for eternity, and afterwards say we did God a service by our actions and wish to merit something special in heaven. So he's speaking of people with the best of intentions and in the church, and they, the the it, the law is good, the law is perfect, um, and if but if we try to bring the law down on someone, if we judge them, if we separate the wheat from the weeds, the reaction is that we lose the wheat too. And I think you can see this in our church today, is that so many people can't see the uh, can't hear the gospel. Their ears are closed because they see Christianity as judgment. They think that what Christianity does is it teaches the law. Um, and it says, well, it, it's taught by, I mean, they think it's hypocrites who say you can't do these things, who really deep down inside are, are doing the same things, just hidden. So they can't even listen to Christianity or listen to hear the gospel because the church has tried to um, determine who the weed and the weeds are and to sort them out. Um, but different wheat has different lengths, uh, and, and this isn't in the parable, but um, some wheat may, ta- may take longer to blossom than others. So if you cut off something that, look, that hasn't blossomed yet, if you cut off the grain, or if you see that there's no grain yet, this has grain, um, these other, I mean, these other plants have grain. Well, then you hurt any chance of it ever becoming a grain. And you also, um, in the church, <clears throat> you close. There's you you take when you pull up the weeds, you take those other wheat that haven't blossomed yet or that have blossomed, um, but they're intertwined with the roots of the weeds, and so you lose those as well. Um, through what is, I mean, what can't be described as, like I said, other than good intentions. When Jesus' Jesus's ministry, the, the Pharisees who, were, um, who eventually conspired to kill him, they, were, they thought they were doing what was right. They were upholding their religion. Um, and they thought that, you know, if we let this guy keep talking like he is, well, he's going to destroy our religion. Um, and, and so it wasn't the evil deeds, it wasn't the sinners and the tax collectors who um, caused Jesus to be crucified, it's the opposite. Um, <clears throat> so this is, I think, Roger Williams, who um, founded Rhode Island um, and talked about, and I don't want to, well, I'm not even going to say that because it kind of gets into a little bit of politics or it could be, it doesn't get into politics, but it could be thought to. <laughs> um, but uh, he, he thought this, I mean, he was very taken by this parable and the effect of having a, 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 the state be the church, what that effect could have on not good and evil, but on Christians. Um, and the spread of Christianity and the ability of, of Christianity to and the gospel to spread. <clears throat> but as Paul says in Romans, um, the law could not produce its end. Um, it it came to increase the trespass. So by the judgment, by um, by setting forth the law with the church, with the um, with the weeds, by getting the weeds out, 
the trust, the weeds got worse. You lost the wheat and you didn't lose the weeds, which could still expand. And it goes, uh, it goes beyond the church. I th- it goes with how we deal with each other as Christians, uh, as people, how we you know, encounter problems in, with, with others or with ourselves. Um, and we all, most, I mean, sometimes, you know, like I'll feel slighted. I'll think that somebody, you know, they were really out to get me. You know, they said something which discounted something I'd done, and they really had that motivation to, um, to to hurt me or to make, you know, do something that negatively impacted me. Or um, I was just thinking, like, if you're not invited to something that you want to be invited to, um, you think that, or I think the tendency, or at least mine, would be you think that they were really thinking about you when they decided who was going to be invited. <laughs> most likely they weren't, and you know they they were just doing what they thought was right. Because most of the time, it's not bad intentions that harm other. I mean, certainly sometimes it is, but we all have kind of our worldview, and with us as the center of it. And so, it, when we try to impose how what we think is right on oh, others, you know, it's the natural reaction is to it, it sends them the other direction. Um, and so, I mean, just a few examples I'm thinking. I mean, if you've got children who have children, and um, and this is someone I heard, something I heard said. I'm not, and and you see what they're doing a bad job with their kids, and or, or something you perceive they aren't raising their kids right. So. The natural reaction is to step in and say, well, this is what you need to do. And this is, you got to do this. You can't let them do this. But I mean, but how does that receive? I mean, is it received as, you're right. That's, and it probably is right. And <laughs> it's good, I mean, um, it's good and that's right. But it, we, we naturally back off. We think, well, I know, I know what's right. I know what to do. Or if you have a friend or a cousin or a relative who, you know, is kind of heading down the child who's heading in the wrong path, and you know they they're making bad decisions, they're hanging out with bad people, they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. Um, you want to step in, you know. We've been down that path. We know you don't want to do that, um, but that often does it can lead them to go further down it, and we'll, as we'll see in a second. Um, or it worked. If you have, you know, you've got somebody you work with, and you know they're doing something. You know what's right. You know how to do it. You've had more experience with it. They're working hard on it. You go and you try to impose. Well, you know, you really should do it this way. And it's rare that someone says, "Well, thank you. You're right. You know that really helps." It's more often, "Well, you're judging me because you think you know how to do it, but really I know how to do it better." Um, so. Taking the, the um, cutting down the weed, the the weeds often has the effect of, you know, like what you're saying is right, but you have alienated the person you're talking to, um, and by trying to impose your will, telling them what to do, they can't hear you, um, and you've kind of cut themselves off. Like they, the next time they they're working on a project, well, they don't want to involve you at all because you know they they think they're gonna you're gonna try to take over. Or I'm not going to let my friend know what I'm doing because um, if he does, he'll try to correct me. So I'm going to 
I'm not going to tell him, and I'm going to build a wall between you and that, that friend who's going down the wrong path. So he's going to continue going down the wrong path, except you're not going to know anything about it. So he's going to try to hide it from you. And, and that creates... Um, uh, so it, it doesn't help the wheat to grow. Um, so, and well, I'm, before we get to the video, um, let's go further in the parable. Um, because, okay, so Matthew 13, 24 through 30 is the parable. Um, but Matthew 13 is a series of, of different parables. It starts with the sower, goes to the, the wheat and the tares, which are kind of the main ones. Um, but then there are several other smaller ones. And the things with the parable of the kingdom is, are that um, it's, um, they're, they're early in Jesus' ministry, and, but they, they're not as deep, I would say. I mean, I, I think this parable is very, the parable of the wheat and the tares is very deep, but it's not like the whole gospel is not contained in it. Um, whereas you could say for the prodigal son, you can get pretty much everything out of there. And I would say, I talked about the Good Samaritan first. I think if you do it correctly, you can get pretty much every, you can get law and gospel both out of the, the Good Samaritan. Um, but, I mean, you can't really do that with most of the parables of the kingdom. It's, describe, it's, it's tra- describing the kingdom of, of God and how it's present and, and what it is as, as opposed to the kingdom of earth. Um, but, so Jesus, and I, I probably should hustle here, but, um, the parable of the mustard, mustard seed and the um, talks about the mustard seed being the smallest of seeds, but when it's grown, it's larger than all garden plants and, and, and becomes a tree. And then he tells another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it all was leavened, which that's like over 100 pounds of dough, I think. It's just the small leaven, it just expands, the kingdom expands if, when, when, when planted. Um, but then um, he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out the kingdom all causes of sin and lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now that doesn't sound like what we've been talking about. Um, that's judgment. I mean, he's talking about judgment. And Kapan, I thought, was very good on this. Um, and that he, he tells the parable of the, the wheat and the tares, which clearly the sower is not interfering with the growth of the, of the weeds. And it doesn't get to judgment. There is judgment, but it's not to the end of the age. It's in the last half of the last verse in the parable. Then he talks about, great in the next couple parables, how... Um, the seed, the kingdom starts out small, but it expands exponentially. But then the disciples come to him and say, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field, which that's where you get the parable of the weeds from. But the weed, they've reduced 
the parable of the wheat and the tares to the parable of the weeds, um, which <coughs> the weeds are what, it, at the end, the harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them into bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So what Capon says is, this is not what Jesus thinks about. This allegorization is clearly not Jesus' interpretation of the parable based on all of his other teachings and based on the parable itself. But he, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples did not have that ear. They heard the judgment, and they've been looking for judgment. They wanted the foes to be vanquished, and so they focused entirely on the weeds of the field and not the kingdom, um, which was the intention of the parable. So he says... Capon says, well, he throws them a bone and he gives them the judgment portion of the parable and and exactly as it would come out in the Old Testament. It's kind of like um, with the um, lawyer and the good Samaritan or with the the rich young man and the the laborers of the vineyard. You ask for the law, this is the law. So that's from the Old Testament. That's what judgment is. Um, But that's not what I'm talking about in the in the parable of the wheat and the tares. Um, so let's do the video. This is from Modern Family. Oh, and backstory first, that would help. Okay. Um, Phil and Claire Dunphy, I don't know if you've seen it. Um, I, I really like it. But um, they, typically Claire is the one who controls, who always want. I mean, who can't be wrong, who um, always wants to control the situation. In this situation, that's Haley, her daughter. She's just been kicked out of college um, for underage drinking and other things, I think. And she started dating an older man who is clearly, I mean, not a good match for her. I mean, she's like 18 or 19. And so they rightfully think that this isn't a good idea. Um, I can't remember, I mean, I didn't watch the whole episode again, but I think at first Claire, um, his idea was we got to stop this. But Phil says, no, come on, that's not, if we stop her, that'll drive her closer to him. And so... Um, then Claire kind of agree, remembers how she was when she was young and how, how her, what her father's action did to her. And so she changed, they, they kind of changed places. And then this is the end of it. Um, hey, guys. So, you know, we're thinking about going to this restaurant. Oh, sure. No problem. Oh, I hate when it does this. Buffering. Um, how long does this do? Okay. Well, this is. No. Also, uh, this restaurant is pretty far away, so we might be out late. Well, sweetheart. Uh, oh well. Put it back at the beginning and see that. Yeah. good illustration of direct versus indirect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, right. 
clearly I use the direct power with technology because it doesn't work. <laughs> Yeah, and it will basically, I mean, as she's building up, well, we're going to a hotel, and we're, um, you know, can I get your credit card? We want to go do this nice dinner. And so, and Phil's like about to jump out of his skin, and Claire's holding him back, and then they let him go. And so, then Phil kind of explodes. What are you doing? How could you let them? And so, so he's, after they've gone, he gets on the elevator and goes down to go get them, but at the same time, Haley gets in the elevator and comes back up and comes to her mom and says, how could you let me do that? <laughs> because she hadn't, the, the judgment hadn't been laid down. She was free to, and this is an imperfect analogy, but she was free not to go the opposite direction because um, they, they responded with passiveness. They responded with love. They didn't give her that impetus to act in hostility to her parents. Um, and then Phil rushes up and says, give me the keys, give me the keys. And, and, and then she sees, well, they, that's what they had been thinking, but they just allowed it. So um, what Jesus does not meet the weeds with judgment. He does not cut them down. Because in the kingdom, um, good and evil grow together. He, the, the, word, the, the word let is, and I, yeah. Epi, Amy. Do we have time to do this sure. and then Not finish off? Or? No. Okay. Well, this is going to keep on buffering, so we won't just... Yeah. Um, but the word let in let them both grow together until the harvest, it, from what is Afiemi, and Jason, you can... Um, which it means... <laughs> I don't... Uh, it, um, which can mean let go. It also more often in the, in the gospels it means forgive. And so the response to the weeds is not to cut them down; it's to forgive them. Um, and through that, through the intertwining of the wheat and the weeds, they can grow to be a grain. Um, and so that's Jesus's response to how to deal with evil in the world. Um, it's by treating imputation, treating the Weeds, treating the intertwined weed and weeds like it was good, um, and not cutting them off. Any thoughts, questions? A lot of thoughts. We're out of time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's well. Very well, thanks. Thank you. Very, very um, let me just say a quick prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the teachings and for your mystery that you provide us to the parable in the parables. And please give us the ears to hear um, the message of your kingdom and your grace. Amen. Amen.